I told someone recently, so with all the things that are going on in the world today, our church is pretty full, but it's not at capacity. It's like, why aren't all of our churches full and running over with just the current events, just the things that are going on in our world today? People know that there's something going on, and they need somewhere to look. They need a fixed point. They need a lighthouse. And I'm thankful that we have a place that we can come and that the message hasn't changed no matter what the trends of the world has been. No matter how far away that the world gets from God, I'm thankful for a church and for a man of God that holds fast to his feet. And so it doesn't matter what the world's doing or where they're going. We're going to go and we're going to follow Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Brother Moore, for your message. It is is definitely not just um, for some. I believe it's for all that we all have to do. take inventory of our lives and and make sure that God is the one who is sending and who is taken away. Very, very powerful word. Um, If you would turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 3, please pray for my voice because I don't know what happened. It doesn't hurt. I feel fine. I just sound like I'm taking voice lessons or I've been screaming or singing or something, and I have done neither. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to do my best Barry White impression, I guess. <laughs> Hold on, saints. You shouldn't know who that is. <laughs> Give honor to the man of God. Very thankful for my bishop, a voice in my life incredible man of integrity, uh, thankful for his family, such great people, great examples of what Christians should be, very thankful to have them in my life. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning And they set out from the Acacia Grove, and they came to the Jordan, and he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went throughout the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, Then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go. For you have not passed this way before. And I feel the Lord here with us already this morning. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I'm going to ask Bishop if he'll pray over this word also. 
in the name of Jesus, God, I'm asking that there be complete liberty. Let this word also be engrafted in our hearts. Let it produce what you purpose today. God, your word is already anointed as you anoint your manservant. Speak to oracles to us, O oh God, not only in our spirits, but also, God, in person as well as those over the live stream. We give you the glory, God, for your word that's about to come forth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Thank you very much, Bishop, for praying over the word. Before I get into the ministry of the word this morning, um, I do believe that the Lord has a word for us as a body as well as individuals in here. And I hope this doesn't embarrass you, uh, being that you are a visitor, sir. But um, I believe it's Justin, uh, Sister Kim's brother. As soon as I saw you in service today, God had some words go through my mind. And every time I did, I just felt chill bumps all over me. Uh, I don't know what your religious uh, affiliation is or your spiritual experience, and that, that doesn't matter. But God told me to tell you that he has more for you. It's not an accident that you're here today. God has something special for, for your life. Amen. With the Lord's help today, I want to minister on the thought of you've never been this way before. Never been this way before. 2,000 cubits is the distance that they were supposed to keep between themselves and the Ark of the Covenant. 2,000 cubits is roughly about half a mile. 2,000 cubits is also the distance in the New Testament that is referred to as a Sabbath day journey. Same distance. Joshua chapter 1 tells us about the death of Moses. It records the charge and the promise that God gave to Joshua because just because Moses died, the promises of God did not die with him. God had a man that he had specifically chosen to take over after Moses, and that man was chosen to take God's people into the promised land. Chapter 1 talks about God specifically telling Joshua, every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I will give it to you. God told Joshua, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. He continued and said, just as I have been with Moses, he said, I will be with you. And I believe at least three different times in chapter 1, God tells Joshua, be strong and be courageous. And you almost think, God, why are you repeating yourself so such in a short time? And I believe it was because God knew what lay ahead of Joshua and the children of Israel. Yes, he promised that he was going to be with them, but there was going to be some battles ahead. Yes, he, he had given them promises of some 40 years before that about a land that flowed with milk and honey. 
a land that he was going to give them for their inheritance. But he told Joshua as their leader, he said, sir, you be strong and be courageous because I'm going to be with you and I'm going to give you some things, but there's also going to be some opposition. Hallelujah. Sometimes we look at opposition and we start to look on ourselves and we think, well, what have I done wrong? Why are they coming against me? And sometimes opposition is just a part of the will of God. Sometimes you don't know how strong you are until you find out how weak you are. Because God has to bring us through some things so that we can see how big and how powerful that he really is. If we never had to depend on God for anything, how could we stand in front of anybody and say God can heal, God can bless, God can protect, God can forgive, God can save? God told Joshua, he said, be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't leave any of it out, Joshua. Do it all. He said, do not turn from it to the right or do not turn from it to the left. It doesn't matter what this church is doing or what that church is doing. It doesn't matter what this minister is doing or what this official's doing. It doesn't matter what this organization or this religion's doing. He said, I've given you a word, and you are not to turn from the right or to the left. The promised land of being an inheritance depends on you keeping my word. I've actually been very nervous this week because last week Bishop said that we were going to be continuing the revival, and I was like, Lord, you only talked to me once. And then Bishop goes, hey, guess what? You're doing it again next week too. And I'm like, Lord. <laughs> Chapter 2 of Joshua is when he sends two spies into the land, but he said, specifically, I want you to go and look at Jericho. Jericho was the entrance into that land. It was a strong place, but it, it didn't matter how big their walls were. It didn't matter how wide they were. It didn't matter how tall that they were. If God said, I'm giving it to you, all he needs is a group of people to believe him to do just that. Don't matter how tall the people are, how impossible it may seem to conquer. Because if I remember correctly, those walls, whenever God got finished with them, they didn't fall in and they didn't fall out. They fell into the ground. God said, I'll make a way. This is where and when that they met Rahab. Rahab ended up hiding the two spies, but she wanted something in return, which I obviously don't blame her. She said, let's make a deal before it was popular. <laughs> she said, because I've saved your life, life for a life. He said, when your people came in to conquer the land, Save me and my family. 
You know the story. They said, well, the only way that we can guarantee that is if you stay in the house. Tie this red cord out the window and don't leave the house. Folks, there's safety in the house. There's a lot of noise outside the house. There's a lot of pull, a lot of things going on outside these doors. But God said, the way that you're going to be saved, stay in the house. They said, well, it doesn't make much sense because you don't give us a time frame of how long that you're going to be. Are, 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 are you going to come back in a week? Are you going to come back in a month? Are you going to come back tomorrow? He said, it doesn't matter what time we come back. Stay in the house. Don't leave the house. Your protection and your safety is going to come and your obedience is not leaving the house. And God's trying to tell somebody today, you may have your eyes out somewhere else. You may feel the tug and pull of temptations and thinking that pastures are greener somewhere else. If you leave this house, you will have your death on your own head. It may not be a physical death. It may be a spiritual death. There's a reason why that you're here today, so you can hear this message from God. God is saying you were meant to be in this house. Amen. Interesting thing about something that Rahab told the two spies is she began to tell them our hearts melted because we heard y'all were coming. She said, we heard what your, your God did when y'all left Egypt. And what happened at the Red Sea? Folks, that was some 40 years prior. They had a reputation that preceded them that said eventually God is going to get them here, but when they show up, something's going to happen. Their God is not like our God. Their God took them through a Red Sea on dry ground. Their God did magnificent things in Egypt. Said so our hearts melted because of you. Yeah. Folks, it, it, it is the trick and it is deception of the enemy to make you think you are lesser than what you are. The truth of the matter is he is afraid of you because you've been baptized in Jesus' name. You've been filled with his spirit. So you are the only thing on planet earth that can rock his kingdom. There's no song that can do it. There's no pretty sermon. There's no program that can do it. It's a spirit-filled believer that can knows how to touch God. She said, we heard about how you defeated these other kings, and we knew that we were next. They invaded, they did their thing, her family was saved. But if you look at Rahab's genealogy, she got to be included in the lineage of David and of Jesus Christ. Israel was in a very unique time in their history. They were moving out of the wilderness and into the promised land. There was a generation that that's all they knew was wilderness. All they knew was packing up and going from one camping spot to another. But that was changing. Yeah. 
No longer were they to talk about the promised land in some futuristic tense. It was happening. Soon, they would be fighting for and possessing it. I don't know if it was Sister Massey or if it was Brother Moore or if it was even Bishop this morning, but somebody alluded to this. And I, I, I think it was Brother Moore. I can't tell you what day. I can't tell you what time. I can't tell you what was being preached that day. But sometime in the recent past, church, we have taken the leadership of the man of God and we have spiritually crossed into Jordan. I don't believe that God wants us to look for revival. Revival's here. I don't believe that God wants us to talk about miracles. Miracles are here. I don't believe that God wants us to look for something in the future when he's doing it right here. Does God have great things planned? Yes, he does. But we can't miss what he's doing right now. We have spiritually crossed through Jordan. And you might think, well, this is going on in my life and this is going on. You know what you have come in contact with? It may be an AI. It may be a Jericho. But if you keep fighting, it's coming down. You say, well, it's been a little different here lately. When Joshua looked at his leaders and he said, hey, you tell the leaders and you tell your people this. We're crossing through Jordan and it's a place that they've never been before. He said, you've never passed this way before. And I don't know about you, but I am a creature of habit. Most humans, we like our things in place. But there's come a time that God, he's coming in, he's I'm going to mess it all up. And if you're going to see everything that you want to see, if you're going to fulfill my will, then you're going to have to trust me. One last set of scriptures. It almost seems like God gave me three different messages all in one. I may can use one or two of them next week, Bishop said. But I believe that this is going to give someone some uh, a direction. Acts chapter 9 will start in verse number 1. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for him letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Saul was an angry individual, but he thought he was doing God's will. He thought he was throwing um, unbelievers reprobates into jail. Instead, he was doing that to the saints of God. Verse number three says, Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. Where did the light come from? Light come from heaven. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? 
And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. I'm going to stop right there. Saul, most of you know the story. He was going to the high priest to get more letters, to get authorization, to throw more people in jail. But God had a different plan for Saul's life. On the way, there was a bright light, lightning, whatever that it may have been. He said it knocked him to the ground. Uh, he began to speak to him. He began to redirect him, talk to him, give him specific instructions. But the key thing that I want to focus in on just for the last minute or two here is simply this, is whenever Saul got up from the dirt, he said his eyes were open, but he couldn't see. He had to be led by those that were with him to where God told him to go. I'm going to tell somebody this, and this is a specific word for somebody either in this building or you're watching right now on live stream, is when God is redirecting you, sometimes that there will be temporary blindness. In other words, you're not going to know where the next step is and what to do here and what to do there. That comes from creature comforts. We want to know what's behind door number one. We want to know what the repercussion is if I make that decision. But if I do this and if I follow what I feel like God's, I want to know what's next. And God said, that's not the case all the time. Sometimes you're going to have to obey my voice. And you're going to have to trust me. And you're going to be spiritually blind. During this time, just as Paul, Saul did, you're going to need someone to lead you. When this story started, Saul was in control. Saul was making things happen. But where we ended our story today, he wasn't. Grown man couldn't even walk down the street because he couldn't see. God is telling someone right now, he may not give you what the next step is. He may not tell you what's behind door number one or door number two. If you're feeling the urge from God, which you probably are, there's been too many words, there's been too many services, especially that have been directed towards some specific people. And there's been people that have asking questions about careers and about uh, finances and about family and about health and all. And God's saying, if you want to go to the next level, if you really want to experience the power of my spirit, you've got to go somewhere you've never went before. And during that time of temporary blindness, you're going to need someone to guide you. You're going to need someone to lead you. If we could all stand they are coming and they're going to lead us in worship before Brother Hilderbrand comes and ministers the word.